People of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church, whether you are a longtime member or worshiping with us for the very first time. We welcome you. It is a delight to worship with you this day. For those of you with us in the sanctuary today, we are delighted to welcome you, delighted to open our doors a bit more widely in this time of worship, but we ask that you continue to wear your mask over your nose and mouth and be respectful of space that others may need more than you. And as we do that, we continue to give thanks for the gift that it is to worship together. There is a familiar friendship folder in your pew. It is red, and we really ask that you write your name in that today if you are in the sanctuary, because in the event we needed to do contact tracing, we would like to have every name accounted for. So please, if you have not done so, please uh, write your name and those who are with you worshiping today. Again, we are grateful you are here. We are delighted to be worshiping with you today. A reminder that next week, May 16th, is our intern Molly Ramsey's last Sunday with us. We hope you will take the time to be here uh, in worship, and if you cannot next week, be sure to wish her well today. Uh, we will miss Molly a great deal, and we will celebrate her in whatever the journey is that lies before her. Two weeks from today, on May 23rd, we will be celebrating the retirement of our beloved property manager, Rich Drab. Please save the date for both of these Sundays. Plan to be here for the celebration for Rich on the 23rd after worship. And if you would like to contribute to the purse for Rich, please do so this week by sending that to the church office. Our annual report continues to be available both online and in paper form today. It may have been available as you came in. If you were not offered it, you likely will be so on your way out. So please uh, be sure to read that, folks, or look on our website. It is there. This is a beautiful way that we have remembered and marked the fact that God has been so active, the Spirit has been so alive in our work and worship this past year, and so we encourage you to take the time to read it. It is a beautiful witness to our life together and all that the Spirit has done among us and through us. We continue to journey in these weeks after Easter, continue to announce the good news of the gospel that Jesus was alive Many people encountered the risen Christ after his death and resurrection, and today we pray that in our worship, we too might be open to the presence of the risen Christ, that we might encounter him here in worship and be able to proclaim to all the world, he is risen, he is risen indeed. Let us worship God together. Please turn to your bulletin and join me in our responsive call to worship. Sing to our God a new song. God has done marvelous things. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Break forth into joyous songs and sing praises. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the world and its people sing together for joy. Let us worship God together. We have been called to follow Christ, loving one another as he loved us, confident in that love. Let us together confess our sin. Holy God, 
Too often we fail to see one another as you see us. With our mouths we proclaim, tear down the walls that divide. But with our actions we keep building walls of separation. We prefer the privilege and protection of similarity and shared experience rather than opening our lives to your spirit and your leading. Forgive us, O God, when we say one thing and do another. Forgive us when we deny the promises of our baptism and thus cut ourselves off from you. Forgive us and restore us that we may abide in your love and live out your grace for the sake of Jesus Christ. Beloved Church, God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. We have been redeemed from the clutches of sin and death and marked as Christ's own forever. In thanksgiving, let us proclaim this good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. friends present in our sanctuary today and then hello young friends present at home over the screen it's good to see you too it's good to be with you all today in our bible passage peter is baptizing people he's baptizing a lot of people he's baptizing jews and he's baptizing gentiles that kind of means he's baptizing people he knows and people he doesn't really know, kind of like strangers. And so uh, that made me think that you probably don't remember your baptism. Because I don't remember my baptism. I was a baby when I was baptized. And so I brought this water here to help us remember what our baptism was like. When we were baptized, when you were baptized, what happened was your family came together at this church or another church like it and they surrounded you around the the baptismal font which is over there and then pastor rachel or myself or a similar pastor we dipped our finger into this bowl of water and we said we baptize you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and it was a really special moment because the church was there your family was there and God was there showing all of us, showing our love for you. And you might be wondering, that might be, it seems a little weird. Like, why do we put water on babies' heads to recognize God's love? But the reason why we do that, even though we don't do it other, at other times, 
is because sometimes it's hard to remember how much God loves us, how much our family and friends love us, how much the church loves us. So God gave us baptism. So that way, every time that we are with the church, every time we are with our family and friends, every time that we even feel water on our forehead, that we can remember God loves us. So we remember that today. We remember that especially on Mother's Day, when we recognize the people in our lives who have been there from the beginning, and their love has been there from the beginning, and will be there for a very long time. So I hope that in the coming days and weeks you can remember your baptism and remember how much God loves you. All right, let us pray. Repeat after me. God, we thank you for water and baptism and love. And we pray that you help us remember your love always. Amen. Until next time, young friends. Let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, O God, in the reading of your word that we would hear what you have to say to us this day. May your Holy Spirit be poured out upon us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts. Chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together again. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. And to that end, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock 
and our Redeemer. Amen. Mother's Day is a complicated day. Don't get me wrong, it can be lovely. I love brunch as many as as much as the next person, but it's complicated, especially for those individuals who long to be mothers, or for those who were neglected or abused by their mothers. It can be complicated for those who have lost mothers or lost children either to death or estrangement or any number of other ways, no matter how you slice it, Mother's Day can be complicated. And even though Mother's Day didn't exist centuries ago when scripture was written, I have no doubt it would have been complicated then too. You see, today's text, strangely enough, got me thinking a great deal about Peter's mother what she would have thought about all that was happening in Peter's life. Now let me be very clear. Do not go home and open your Bible or do a Google search looking for Peter's mother. She is not there. I am taking on some creative license here today. But like numerous other biblical characters, we never meet Peter's mother. But I've thought a lot about her this week. I imagine you'd notice her, or you'd remember her, the dark-haired, dark-eyed woman who was always, always, always volunteering in the synagogue. She was the daughter of a rabbi. She could make the best matzah this side of the Jordan. She had a husband who was a fisherman, two boys who were learning the trade from their father. They were the sweetest young men. Andrew, Simon Peter, everyone called him Peter. They were polite, they were smart, they were respectful. Even as Andrew and Peter aged out of the Sabbath school, their mother still volunteered week after week, year after year, ensuring the next generation of Jews would understand and follow and give thanks for the Torah. God's teaching and God's law, the law that set them apart and reminded them of the deep love God had for God's people, Israel. And their mother, she she was a devout Jew, a deeply, deeply faithful woman. She knew the Psalms by heart. She began and ended each day with the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so it was no surprise that she grew concerned when her two sons, Peter and Andrew, began spending a great deal of time with this man they met on the beach. His name was Jesus, and while their mother wanted to be supportive, she didn't like Jesus. He took the boys away from their work on the boat, made some strange claims about fishing for people instead of fish. I mean, what is this nonsense, really? I mean, but she wasn't blind to the depth of joy in the eyes of her sons. She knew that joy couldn't be all bad, but still, this new friend, this Jesus, he made her really nervous. Her nervousness grew to concern when Peter regaled her with stories of of baptisms and, and teachings and healings, even on the Sabbath. 
Can you believe it? I mean, her boys knew better than that. To think how much time she'd spent teaching them God's law, only to have them toss it aside when it was convenient for Jesus. And it got really bad when Jesus made a scene in the temple. We all remember that story, and truth be told, Peter's mother, she was getting really scared for her sons. The leaders of the temple were concerned. The authorities were beginning to ask questions. And when Peter finally had the nerve to tell his mother about the events that led to Jesus' death, she threw a fit. She didn't want her sons tangled up with a man like that. She, she knew that Peter regretted the times he denied Jesus in those couple of days, but in her heart, in her heart, she was so grateful he had. She knew it had saved his life. She'd hoped Peter would give it all up once his friend Jesus died, but he didn't. Apparently this Jesus was still appearing after he died, and suddenly Peter had dreams of taking all that he'd learned, all these new ideas, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth? His mother asked in a fit of rage, Why? Aren't you happy here? Don't you have everything you need here? And she'd never forget how he responded. There was a light in his eyes she had never seen, a light in him she had never witnessed before. And he said to her, Mom, I have to go. My entire life belongs to this. I can't not go. There was no question this was not what she had dreamed of or imagined for her son. She tried to hide her heartbreak, her disappointment, but sometimes it crept out. She knew it had formed a wedge between them. But this Jesus scared her to death. How could he not? He broke Sabbath laws? sent things flying out of the local temple when he threw tables over. He had her own son thinking he could walk on water. I mean, come on, how much Kool-Aid do you have to drink before he realized this was insane? But it only got worse. And eventually it reached a point when Peter's mother couldn't bear it anymore. She couldn't bear it. She wrote to him, Dear Peter, I love you. I have been extremely patient, but enough is enough. For your entire life, we have raised you to be a faithful Jew, a God-fearing man, practicing God's law as it has been passed down from generation to generation. And I know, I know when you were younger, I know that you struggled with some of the cleanliness rules, the, the eating practices, but every teenager struggles with those. I did, your father did, but all of it, you know this, you know this in your soul, all of it, all of these practices, they are there to honor the covenant God made with us. 
with Israel. I will be your God. You will be my people. And so Peter, my darling Peter, I cannot even begin to wrap my head around what on earth has happened in Caesarea. With this centurion, Cornelius, how exactly did you meet him? I, I know you wrote and said that God led you to one another, but are we talking about Yahweh? Yahweh led you to him? Because Peter, again, I have been very patient with all of this. But for the sake of all that is holy, this man is a Gentile. He is unclean, a Gentile. This is not just teenage rebellion, Peter. This is unlawful. Jews cannot even associate with Gentiles, much less visit them, much less do this baptism thing you write about. You know this. But you write to me and tell, you, tell me that you stayed in his house? What were you thinking? What is happening? After everything you've been taught, after everything you've gleaned from me, your father, from your grandparents, from generations before them, what, you, you just throw it all away? Because this spirit you talk about told you to? Do you know how many tears I shed when I read this? How many hours I lay awake wondering what has happened to my son? Where did I go wrong? Is there something I could do to change your mind? To bring you home to the way things used to be? It's as if you're giving up everything you've ever known. What, for a passing fad? For, for this Jesus you can't stop talking about? I weep night and day, my son. I have been sad angry. I have been hurt and devastated, but I'm not even mad anymore. I'm just so desperately disappointed. I love you, but I don't even know you anymore. You have betrayed me. You have betrayed your family. You have betrayed your God. I hope it's worth it. Weeks went by before she heard from Peter. Dear Mom, I know my latest news caught you off guard. I know it wasn't what you expected. It wasn't what you wanted to hear. You made that very clear. I know you think I'm giving up on everything you taught me. I know you think I'm throwing it away, but I'm hoping, praying, you might actually be willing to hear me out. Please, for me, for your son, I know I've told you this before, but this Jesus, this Jesus, as you call him, he has changed my life. 
Never in my life have I been a part of something that felt so right, so necessary, so full of love, and so limitless. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine this work and this witness taking me out of my hometown and to the ends of the earth the way that this has, but I had no idea, no idea God's love was as big and wild as it turns out to be. I had no idea how God's love would transform the lives of the poor the oppressed and the marginalized. Jesus loves all of them. God loves all of them, and so I must love all of them too. I don't see this as throwing away the traditions of my youth, all that you've taught me. I don't see this as throwing away what has been passed from generations to generations. I don't see myself throwing them away, saying they don't matter, because they do. I see this as God's way of saying, I am always able to do a new thing. And if you'll do everything you can to keep up, I'd love, I'd love to have you along for the journey. I know change has never been easy for you, Mom. Truth be told, it's not easy for me either, but when it comes down to it, This faith I have in Jesus Christ, it is the most life-giving thing I have ever known. And I think I'm being asked to keep up with this redemptive work of God, even when it leaves my head spinning, even when it strikes me as strange. I think I need to keep up with it because never in my life have I seen people so deeply changed by knowing the love of God to know that the God of the universe cares for them too. That in the same way God said yes to you and to me and to Israel, God can say yes to them too. Heck, Mom, God even said yes to a eunuch from Ethiopia last week. Philip wrote to tell me all about it. Can you believe it? A eunuch from Ethiopia? from the ends of the earth, Mom. Don't you get it? Can't you see it? There are no limits, no limits to the saving power of God's love, and I get to tell people about it. I have the privilege of reminding people who never thought they'd be recipients of it that they are beloved by the God of the whole universe. How could I not keep doing this work? I know you're disappointed. I know this is not what you wanted for me. It's not what I wanted either, Mom. But it's what I have to do. I can't not do it. I know you may not understand. I hope you can support me. Please, please, I love you. Your son. Your Peter.
It's not easy to watch someone you've raised or something you've helped to build change in ways you wouldn't choose or shift in ways that make it seem like everything you offered is being forgotten, even if it is from God. I imagine many relationships spring to mind, but I think this grief, I think this struggle happens a lot in the church, too. Peter's mother saw her son changing before her very eyes, but at the heart of it, her own faith and life were being questioned in the process. Her own sense of who God was, what the church was supposed to be, it was vanishing before her eyes. And it reminds me a lot of the church, too. Because after all, when we've poured ourselves into the church, when we've given generously of of our money, our time, our talent over years, over decades, only to see the church morph and change in ways we wouldn't choose, or shift in ways that make it seem like everything we've offered is being forgotten, that's really, really hard. Even if it is from God. There is grief wrapped up in it. There is sadness. There is anger. And I think on some level, that's why this year in particular has been so hard. So much of what we love, what we cherish about our life together as the church has been stripped away. It has been changed. It has shifted. It has made us uncomfortable. And let me be clear, I do not believe the Spirit of God has caused a global pandemic But out of necessity, because of this pandemic, life has changed. Our life together has shifted, and while, like Peter's mother, we are desperately holding on to hope that someday our son will come back to life as we've always known it, someday the church will get back to the way it has always been, deep down like Peter's mother. Even though we don't want to admit it, we wonder if it ever will. Will it ever look the way it used to? Will I ever see the church and know the church, the church I have poured my life into? Will I ever know that church ever again? Like Peter's mother, I think we're afraid to ask the question out loud. 
afraid because it's a question we don't know the answer to and it's a question filled with grief, filled with pain, filled with so much uncertainty and unknown. We want to trust the God we love, the God in whom we have placed our life and our trust, but if this God If this God is going to take us into uncharted territory, tearing down limits and boundaries and traditions we've always known and clung to, will we be able to survive it? Will we be able to look at this new sun, this new church, and recognize it at all? And so I wonder if in these difficult days, filled with these difficult questions, I wonder if Peter is writing to us too. Dear church, I know change has never been easy for you. I know you're yearning for the life we once had together. I know you're sad. I know you're scared. I know you're angry. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine this work and this witness taking shape in the way it has. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine it taking us out of our comfortable, familiar hometown to the ends of the earth. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine what God would be capable of in it. But that's just it. I didn't imagine those things. I couldn't imagine those things because in ways I was not even aware of, I had put limits on what God could do. In ways I was not even aware of, I had assumed that I knew best what God would do, that I knew best what God should do, and it turns out, it turns out God's love is grander than anything I have ever known. It turns out God's love is wilder and more limitless than anything I have ever known, and it turns out It turns out, church, this life of faith is a lot less about keeping things decent and in order and the way they've always been and a lot more about my breathless attempts, our breathless attempts to keep up with this wild and wondrous spirit asking ourselves, what is God doing next? Where on earth is God going now? It may not always feel comfortable. It may not always feel safe, but I believe it is faithful. It is the most faithful work I have ever done. And to be clear, I do not see this as throwing away the traditions of our life together. I do not see it as throwing away all that has been poured into this church or looking at all that you've invested in the church and saying it doesn't matter because it absolutely does. 
But instead, I see this as God's way of saying, I am always able to do a new thing. I am always, in every circumstance, in every time, in every place, able to do a new thing. And if you'll do everything you can to keep up, I'd love to have you along for that journey. It's a wild and wondrous spirit out there, church. She is calling, she is always calling, and I hope that we will have the courage to listen. With love from Caesarea, your friend, Peter. P.S. In case you hadn't connected these dots, you today, in your church, you are living proof that we serve a wild and wondrous God You are living proof today that God's love would go and still will go to the ends of the earth. Thanks be to God. Beloved church, having heard echoes of the gospel of transforming love from saints past, I invite you to rise in body or in spirit, rise in body or in spirit, join me as we affirm our faith through the words printed in your bulletin from a brief statement of faith. Together, let us state what we believe. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor, and binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, the Church. The same Spirit who inspired the prophets and apostles rules our faith and life in Christ, Scripture, engages us through the word proclaimed, claims us in the waters of baptism, feeds us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation, and calls women and men to all ministries of the church. In a broken and fearful world, the Spirit gives us courage to pray without ceasing, to witness among all peoples to Christ as Lord and Savior, to unmask idolatries in church and culture, to hear the voices of peoples long silenced, to work with others for justice, freedom, and peace, 
in gratitude to God, empowered by the Spirit, we strive to serve Christ in our daily tasks and to live holy and joyful lives, even as we watch for God's new heaven and new earth, praying, Come, Lord Jesus. You may be seated.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we come before you this day seeking to be vessels of your love for the world, seeking to share your love with everyone we meet, to be the witnesses you call us to be each day. On this particular day, we lift up mothers to you. You, O Lord, are the one who from our mother's arms have blessed us and on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Scripture has prepared us to recognize that by your grace, mothering takes many forms. We pray for mothers around us. For those who, like Jesus' mother Mary, have been surprised by the unexpected responsibility of parenting, remind us not so much of the circumstance through which children come into the world, but that they are always a gift from you. Help us to always see your image in them. We pray for those who, like Naomi, find themselves parenting someone outside the predictable patterns of mothering. Bless this day all grandparents, aunts, foster parents, adoptive parents, step-parents, and kindly people who care for children. And we give thanks for those like Ruth who become caregivers for their elders because the generations that need to be mothered and the seasons of our lives can change. We sometimes find ourselves mothering those who have even forgotten who we are. We take strength in knowing that you remember their identity when they no longer do. Grant courage and strength to all those who provide care in your name. We pray for those who, like Hannah, have struggled with the task of letting go of a child. Teach us to support our children even when the calling of their hearts does not meet our greatest hope for them. We pray for those like Mary or Rachel, who have known the deepest agony of a child's death. Remind them again that nothing can separate their child from your certain love, O God. Give strength and peace to those who mourn and to those who cannot stop mourning. Despite our best efforts, families are breached and broken by death, disaster, and disagreement. Help us, like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, to regroup our families in confident hope that in due season wounds shall be healed and oneness restored. On this day we set aside to remember mothering. We also call to mind those who are called to the vocation of mothering, those who in the absence of another seek the heart of a Mary or a Rachel. Let us renew our commitment to uphold them this day. God, you are the great healer. 
our one and only comfort in distress, the only one who can make all things new. Hear our prayers for the mothers in our lives this day. And hear also the cries of our hearts this day, cries of brokenness in and of and for our world and our nation. Hear the cries of those who long for your peace and your justice and your freedom and your love. In the midst of our days, we cling to the words of your Apostle Paul, who proclaimed boldly that love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Help us to love with your love, O God to be a witness in the world where it is needed most. Hear the prayers unspoken that we carry with us day in and day out, and hear us now as we join our voices as one, praying the prayer that your Son taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. My friends, thanks be to God. God is always, always able to do a new thing because we here today are living proof that God was able then and God is still able today to go to the ends of the earth. As we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, be with those you are called to love this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen.